think you've got your business personas down pat, you could actually be missing the mark and costing your company money while creating content waste. In fact, according to today's guest, many aren't spending enough time on filling out persona profiles, preferring to jump right into creating content. Learn about the importance of personas in 2017 on this episode of the Content Marketing for the Future podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Content Marketing for the Future podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Chu, here to bring you the latest on modern marketing news from the industry's top thought leaders every other week. Today, Persona's expert, Ardith Alvi, shares her experiences from working with Fortune 1000 companies and provides her insights on how to better get into the minds of your customers on this episode of the Content Marketing for the Future podcast. How do most currently create successful personas as we start 2017? And will the way we build personas change? That's a really good question. You know, um, a lot of clients who come to me say they already have personas, and yet when they share them with me and I review them and find out how they built them, what we find out is a lot of it was based on assumption or on very narrow research rather than looking across the entirety of the different segments. And so, Part of the problem is they don't understand how much depth they need to create in a persona for it to inform a content marketing strategy. So I think given the new ways technology is enabling insights and enabling us to gain more information from data, I think some of that is going to impact the way we design personas going forward. However, and this can't be stressed enough, I don't think we're ever going to get away from having to actually talk to our customers because what we see in data and behavior is one thing. What they actually say to us can provide a lot of insight that it's still really difficult to get from the data. So, you know, I mean, all of that is changing, but kind of the interesting thing for me is that there seems to be this gap. You know, there's this nirvana where we look at the technology that makes things possible and then we look at the reality of what companies actually have that they can use and how they're using it. And so I think while there's a lot of great things out there, I think it's going to take some time for them to actually not only adopt these new technologies and new ways of doing things, but also get up to speed and proficient at using them. Right. So if someone already has personas and then you're virtually saying, okay, this is wrong, you need to reset how you're doing things, how would you approach that, including the new tools that you're seeing for 2017? Yeah, well, one of the first things that you want to do when you're looking at a persona is to say, okay, what does this persona inform? And so, for example, my focus is B2B. And in B2B, I don't care if my persona is married with two kids and a dog and lives in the suburbs because (laughs) I can't use that for anything, right? But most personas include that kind of stuff, which is totally ridiculous because you can't use it. So the first thing you need to do is go through the persona and say, okay, given what I see here, what does that allow me to inform for my content marketing strategy? And what you usually find when you go through that kind of an assessment is that there isn't a whole lot that is actually applicable that informs what topics should I write about, what tone and style should I use, what does this persona truly care about. And the care about stuff can also be different than just what your, your product solves. So you have to look for 
how do some of their roles and responsibilities also complement maybe solving the problem your product solves? You know, how do you address all of that so you can address them as a fleshed out person instead of just a person focused on this one thing that you do? So you really need to get an understanding of the persona. And I think it's also a matter of understanding behavior. So for example, you know, one of the cool things about marketing automation is that we can now start to see patterns of behavior. And one of the things that we need to think about as marketers now that experience is becoming a big deal, that if we focus on campaigns that are, you know, just focused on this, this white paper or this webinar or whatever, and we're just looking at it in that little box of one piece of content or one experience, we're not actually looking at what do they need to do to make it all the way through this buying decision. We're not hooking things together. And really a persona should enable you to tell that story or engage in that conversation, if you will, across the entirety of the customer relationship. And so we need to start paying more attention to how do we create experiences that continue to evolve, right? How do we continue to engage personas based on how their context changes at every stage, given what they learn about solving their problem? Right. I read a great article this morning that talked about how sometimes we think people already know they have this problem to solve, but that's not always true. So we need to also think about what is their status quo, right? How do they look at the problem? Do they even see it as a problem? You know, what workaround are they using? How do we get them to acknowledge the problem so they'll take next steps toward realizing that it's something they could solve to advantage? So basically, most people forget to think of the pain points along the customer journey. I mean, we can also vouch for this. You know, once we think we hooked them in the beginning, that's it, you know, we'll give them to the sales team and then we'll let them take care of it. But most don't think, okay, so we help them fix this one pain point along the journey. What's next for them? We always forget that. Yeah, that's so true. And so when you think about personas, there's a big difference between a buyer persona and a customer persona, for example. Okay. So a buyer persona has the original problem, right? They haven't solved it yet. Mm -hmm. But once you sell them your product or solution and they solve that problem, what does that mean comes next? So if you look at it from a customer retention perspective, their status quo has changed. They solved that original problem, so now what? Just like you said. But we need to look at the way context changes in how we engage with our prospects and our customers. Perfect, and I can think of some content uh, that you can deliver to your customers along the way. After you fix that initial problem, they'll probably have a problem with, okay, so after I publish this blog post, now what do I do? Where's all the traffic? And then you help them with that issue. Yeah, and, and one of the other things that I think personas are really key to are minimizing content waste. There's been a lot of research that's come out over the last year or two that talks about, you know, what is it, serious decisions, I think, said 80% of your content never gets used by anybody. Mm. And other research has come out that says most content gets eight or less views, that kind of thing. Well, think about how many billions of dollars we're spending on content creation. And if 80% of it sits unused, what the heck? No. <laughs> well, if we have personas that really help us not only achieve relevance, but resonate with our target audiences, we can get more content used. And so one of the things, you know, that a lot of my clients are looking at is how do we scale content marketing? And 
they want to go out and create more and more and more content. You know, the, the research shows every marketer, every B2B marketer says we're going to create more content in 2017. But more isn't the answer. When we have so much, we can employ technology to help us understand what's working and what's not. And we can continuously refine the content we have based on the way people are interacting with it. We don't need to keep reinventing the wheel. We can scale engagement. So if we think about it as, you know, getting better outcomes rather than pumping out more content, I think there's a lot we can learn from the ability to analyze how people are interacting and behaving around our content and, and what they want to engage with next or what would compel them. Um, in fact, one of the things that, that marketers say or B2B marketers say is that they're going to focus on personalization. Well, it's going to be really hard to do that without the help of technology. Yeah, it's a new topic that we're seeing more and more of ever since uh, later on in 2016. It's definitely going into 2017 and seeing how personalization uh, becomes part of the core way of you creating a strategy is going to be really interesting. So you've said that focusing on a single unique customer meant that you were missing out on all the rest with commonalities, but with the advances in marketing automation software adopting artificial intelligence, do you think we'll now be able to work with them one-to-one? -one? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And it's, it's been the challenge till now. And I want to say that maybe we can get Closer to a one-to-one, -one, it's still hard for me to imagine marketers being able to do really well at one-to-one -one unless they have a really limited um, target list um, because there's, you know, we're used to engaging hundreds if not thousands of prospects, you know, with our marketing programs. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, the challenge really will be, I, I think it's chicken and egg for me. So for example, we can learn a lot of unique things about our buyers that would say, hey, we could engage with this one buyer in this way because they really like red sweaters or whatever. And so, but do we have the content to do that, right? So have we created that? So part of the challenge with this is until we get to that point where we can dynamically create content, which I'm not sure how far off that is. <laughs> I know it can be done for things that are based on statistics and other things, but for a lot of it, we still have to create the content. You know, marketers have to have all of the content or at least ideas for what it should be in order to say, okay, if we're gonna create this one-to-one -one conversation, here's the conversational flow. You know, if they do this, then we're gonna give them that. And if they then respond in this way, we're gonna invite them to this webinar. But if we don't have the content, how do we pull that off? And so I think that's the challenge when you start thinking about this one-to-one -one engagement, what does that mean for our content and how we present it? Now, in, in a different scenario, I'm working with a company right now that provides SMS text messaging. And those are one-to-one -one conversations mm -hmm. quite a lot, but you can also automate them for answering common requests and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to try and look at the different ways you would put workflows together to where you can even have the combination of a bot answering and then inserting a live human when you need to because a conversation becomes more in-depth and so you need a human being to respond. So it's really interesting and more conversational than you know what we're usually looking at, which is publishing a blog post and then making sure we're amplifying it and sharing it with the right people and responding to shares on social media and those kinds of things. 
So I think there are a lot of interesting ways we can get closer to one-to-one, -one, but I'm just not sure it's a reality um, right now. But for marketing anyway, sales can do it, and we should be empowering them to do it. But from marketing, one of the things that I see that's really interesting is the ability for websites to now serve up content based on who's visiting them. You know, it's something Demandbase has been doing for a long time, and, and there's a lot of web content management technologies that will allow you to do that. You know, and it requires some machine learning in the background, artificial intelligence, what have you, to be able to understand who those people are when they're coming through beacons or cookies or whatever. And I think that's interesting. And I think that the ability to then mine the way people interact with content that's presented specifically for them based on what we know about them can allow us to further improve and enhance how relevant we can be. But it's, I, I think, still in the early stages. So I agree with you that it's going to be, for chatbots, being able to have the automated response and then having a real person jump into the conversation when necessary is going to be the next steps in chatbots so that people don't continuously get angry at the answers that they're seeing. But then going into the content that people see when they jump onto your website and they automatically know what sort of content you're looking for. I think that's very interesting. Do you mind talking a bit more about that? I've never heard of this before is when you land on a website, the content that you're looking for is going to be put in front of you without you having to look for it. Right. So the way it works is when you arrive at a website, if, if the website knows who you are, right, you've been there before and so the you have a cookie, you know, that they're tracking or whatever, mm -hmm. they can say, okay, based on your last visit, you looked at X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to show you stuff related to that. And then based on how you interact with that, I can show you more stuff related to that or what have you. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really kind of an interesting idea that when you get there, you don't have to click through all the navigation looking for stuff you want, but that the site will serve up things that are interesting to you. So, and if the site doesn't know you, of course, it, you know, will start from there and cookie you and then follow what you do and then try to improve relevance each time you visit. It's really quite interesting and it's absolutely, I think, one of the critical things for account-based marketing where if you know somebody coming is part of one of your key accounts or target accounts, you can serve up information that may be interesting to them, but also interesting to other members of the buying committee that they could share with them. You can get a well-rounded look. But the other thing that's really interesting about this and the ability to track what people engage with that you present to them based on intent data or what have you, is understanding how they interact with the content and what kind of order because you know as marketers we all want to plan stuff out in kind of this linear fashion like first we're going to give them this and then once they've read this they want that and then we're going to you know and how often are we right I mean the, the funnel is like this really confusing maze these days right yes, so yes one of the things that I think is really interesting is getting this sense for patterns so that you get a feel for how people want to learn the information they need to know in order to make a choice and so that you can also equate, well, you know, all the people that converted or bought our product inter interacted with this same set of content. So what else were the outliers? You know, where do we have gaps? How do we um, present it in a fashion that allows them to 
educate themselves in a way that makes sense to them. Because quite often as marketers, we say, well, this makes sense to us without realizing that we are not our buyers. You know, I have this conversation all the time with my clients where they're like, well, I don't like that white paper idea, so we shouldn't build it. And I'm like, but you're not the one we have to convince them of. We need to be able to step back and put some distance, you know, and be able to step into our personas or our buyer's shoes and, and really think about what matters to them. And that's really hard for us to do as marketers because we know too much, essentially. We know why our product is great. Right. And so it's hard for us to step back and kind of remove that insight to think about it from somebody who doesn't. I think with the help of um, these tools that are able to analyze the behavior and then we can see, okay, since they did this so commonly and they have a pattern of doing this, maybe we should recommend this sort of content instead of the other way around. We're like, we think that they'll probably need this content again making assumptions so going back to the first point you made about the technology that's becoming available to us and analyzing behavior i think that is going to be very important for a lot of marketers to use yeah i agree and you know i think there's also a lot to be said about the tools that can help us create better content one of the biggest challenges i have i work with a lot of technology companies and the solutions are complex and they're difficult to understand at times and if you put some of the content through, let's just say the Flesh Kincaid grading system, right? It comes out to you, you would have had to have attended, you know, 27 grades of school in order to read this piece of content, which is ridiculous, right? And so it just becomes difficult and being able to write content about technology that a 10th grader can understand with an ease of reading that allows people to scan it, get the point, and ingest it and want more is really a skill, you know, and a lot of marketers need help with that. Even a lot of copywriters need help with that because it's so easy to get caught up in the jargon and the terminology and the big words and all of that. You end up with content that, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced this, like you're reading a piece of content and all of a sudden you've realized you've read the same paragraph three times and you have no idea what you're talking about, right? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, part of the ability to use personas and apply them to content is that it should help you get to that right tone and style level where the voice you use in your content and the way you write about the topics is not only approachable, but requires far less effort for your persona to engage with. Because the more effort they have to expend, the less time they're going to, you know, they're going to just leave and go look for something that's easier. Right. So one of the best tips that I remember you giving is to remember the other personas on the buying committee and not just the first persona you interact with. So what are some ways content marketers can do this? Yeah, oh, I think this is a really critical point because not only are buying committees getting larger, I think the updated figure now from CEB is 6.8. <laughs> so... <laughs> Like seven people. I'm not quite sure where the 0.8 and all that comes in because it's got to be a whole person. But anyway, so seven people, right? But a lot of times what we do is we say, okay, we've got our personas. And then we look at, okay, how do we address Dave? How do we address Sally? How do we address Chuck? And we treat them like they never talk to each other. But the whole thing about a buying committee is everybody has to reach consensus. So they've got to be talking to each other. So how do we empower those conversations backed by our ideas, right? Getting our ideas in the room, even when we're not there, when they're discussing different things. And so understanding how one persona might push back against another persona 
you know, because of what they care about versus what the other is focused on can help you create content that allows them to talk to each other or be prepared to have those conversations with each other and to help get everybody on the same page. And quite often we just address one at a time and that's all we think about. And I think we're losing out. We have a big opportunity to actually facilitate those conversations because research also shows that buying committees reach the height of conflict at 37% of the way into their buying process, which wow. means they can't agree to move forward. They can't get on the same page. They don't all agree they need to solve the problem, right? So it just dies. Mm -hmm. How many opportunities are we losing because we don't get in front of them early enough to help with that process? And it's something marketing can do because they're pushing salespeople back, right? They want to decide a lot and research a lot before they talk to people. Right. But we have the ability to create content that enables those conversations and helps them with that much earlier in the process if we just step back to what is their status quo, right? Why do they need to solve this problem? How could, and with our personas, we should be able to know why haven't they solved the problem yet? What are some of the risks or things that make them either afraid to solve the problem or, you know, it's too hard or it's too expensive or, you know, what are all those reasons they keep saying the workaround we have today is fine. We're just not going to do it. You know, what are the processes that would be affected if they solved the problem? What else would that create change about that they would have to deal with? Because they're having all those conversations internally. So how do we help them think about those things in a way that allows them to move forward? It can be a huge enabler. So what type of information do you see as the most effective way to help convince the first person and then the whole committee? Well, that's <laughs> a good question, and it's hard to answer without a specific persona in front of you to address, right? But I think that what we really need to focus on is why should they solve the problem? How does the problem look to them? Mm -hmm. how, does it, how does it appear within the environment they work in, right? How do we show them that we really know their business and we can help them? And how do we get them to see that even if they have a workaround today, things could be fantastically better, um, more efficient, more productive, whatever those things are, that it's worthwhile enough to fix. And so I think we have to sell the problem before we can sell the solution. And I, I don't think a lot of us do that really well. I think we're out there talking about what our solutions enable, like everybody knows that they need that stuff. And I don't think everybody does, mm -hmm. not to the extent that would make them buy it. You know, a lot of my clients sell million dollar solutions and up. So it's a big consideration and there needs to be a lot more work done to get people to buy into it. Mm -hmm. Well, most of the time it's you having to tell a prospect that this is a problem a lot of people um, in your industry have and sometimes they don't actually realize it until you tell them. Mm -hmm. So yep. um, what aspects of building personas still then confuse and frustrate markers and how are we fixing them? I think that building a persona in the right way takes a lot of effort. So for example, I'm working on a persona project right now. I've done 60 interviews so far to build four personas. Wow. That's a lot of time and effort and a lot of talking to people. <laughs> and I think that they don't understand, even if they get that they need to interview customers and they need to interview people across the organization to make sure that they're considering all of the different ways the organization interacts with your customers and what they know about them. I don't think they understand what to ask. 
you know, how to conduct an interview that will actually get them the insights they need. And one of the reasons I say this is because I was doing a project at one time and my the marketing team I was working with decided they'd help me out. So they created this questionnaire they wanted me to use on the interview calls. And it was all about what they wanted to know. And it was like the Grand Inquisition. And so <laughs> it was like, do you go to this website? Do you go to that website? What kind of content do you look for? How many times a day do you use search? You know, I mean, it was all the kind of stuff that they wanted to know because they thought it would inform how they presented, you know, how they distributed content mm -hmm. or whatever. And what they failed to ask in that whole questionnaire, it was tons of questions, was what do these people care about, right? <laughs> how do they talk about the problem they're trying to solve? What's important to them? What scares them about solving the problem? You know, you need to know all of that kind of stuff in order to create the content. And so for me, yes, we need to distribute it. We need to know where they go to get information. But more importantly, if we can't create content that's going to resonate with them, what's the point? Mm -hmm. We can distribute all the crap we want. It's not going to do anything. So you need to really learn how to do a persona interview really well. And I think the other thing that frustrates them is that it takes time. You know, I get calls from a lot of clients that say, you know, we know our target market well enough. Let's just get a content strategy <laughs> together and get content out the door. We need to get content out the door. And I'm like, okay, great. That talks to who? Explain <laughs> to who and about what? And why will they care? And, you know, and by the time you look at all that, they go, oh, yeah, okay. Well, how fast can we do this? Kind of like, well, how fast can you book interviews with everybody? And that's really the hardest part. But the other thing also is I've found that 30 minutes is kind of the sweet spot for an interview. It's hard to get more time with busy people. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be really organized in that 30 minutes. But I think what frustrates, the other thing that frustrates is once you have the persona built, what the heck do you do with it? I don't think marketers understand what to do with the persona. So they go through the exercise of building them so they can say we have them. And then they go in this file drawer, never to be seen again, and they go back to marketing basically how they've always done it because they don't know what to do with the persona. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's as big a part of it as anything else is that if you create personas and even I've had clients where they didn't have resource to address all the personas they could create. So it was like, just pick, pick one and let's create it and let's put it to work so you can see how it goes and let's run a pilot. And they do all this and they see the difference in engagement and conversions and how salespeople are appreciating the leads that they're giving them. And they say, okay, great, let's do more. But they need to appreciate the whole process. And so just building the persona is only the start. They need to understand, okay, how does that inform your content strategy and what do we do now? So how many people would you suggest to interview when you're creating a persona, a minimum? I usually aim for 10 to 12. I find that when you get to 10 to 12, you start hearing the same stuff again and again and again. And that's kind of the key that you've figured out what you need to know. And so any less than that, and I'm worried I'm going to miss something that perhaps this, this group of five didn't share with me, you know, but mm -hmm. by the time I get to 10 or 12, I'm usually hearing the same stuff again and again. And so I know I've got pretty much what I need. That's great. Um, we just conducted a big interview session a couple months ago when we were thinking about redoing our platform and I volunteered for the task of interviewing all of our writers and our clients just to make sure that the flow of work that we're making them go through in our platform is right for them and wow it was an eye-opener to see okay some people will not proceed writing until they finished 
like perfecting this one section and other people just continue writing without a care of error and it was it was a very interesting experience i'd have to say i am hoping that it strengthened our view as to who our users are and helped us further build our personas because we're uh, we're a SaaS company so we have many different verticals we can go to any industry but then narrowing it down to each individual's pain point is is continuously going to be a challenge yeah it is and people write in a ton of different ways yeah and so you know it's um it is interesting i bet you learned a lot of neat things about how people write I got a lot closer with our writers and uh, I continue connecting with the people who gave us feedback because I feel it's very invaluable. You can't put a number on getting feedback on how to improve something that you're working hard on and will help the success of your company. It's incredible. Yeah. And I find that it's really interesting the way in which people say things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they can say it in different ways, but actually be meaning the same thing. So it's really important to listen to the context and how they're talking about it. Because otherwise, if you take a very literal interpretation, you could end up thinking you have three or four points to solve when maybe it's really one, they're just saying it differently, you know? So what are some events that you're looking forward to attending or speaking at for 2017? Well, one of my favorites is always the Intelligent Content Conference, which is in March in uh, Las Vegas. And in February, I'm speaking at B2B Content to Conversion that's now part of the B2B Marketing Exchange, which is also one of my favorite shows because it's all B2B focused, Mm -hmm. which is my thing. So, you know, there's, I think, only two conferences I I speak at every year that with a strictly B2B focus, and that's one of them, and the other is Marketing Cross B2B Forum in Boston in October. Okay, so with that, thank you again so much for taking the time out to talk with us about building personas and getting ready for next year. Sure, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. So what do you think, listeners? Are your notebooks full of artists' advice? We hope that you were able to gain plenty from the knowledge she shared and can see it benefiting your business. With that, don't forget to follow Ardith and let her know what you think of her tips on Twitter at Ardith421. And follow me on Twitter at Atomic underscore Reach to tell me what you thought of this episode. I'll be seeing you in a couple weeks. Thanks so much again for tuning in. This has been Amanda for the Content Marketing for the